Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. It's Thursday the 4th of July. Coming up, woman whose husband ended his own life calls for change in law on assisted dying. We don't put our animals through this. So why should we have a loved one? Watch them suffer. Road in Kent, among most dangerous in the country. All of them, if you like, allow for head-on crashes in a way that, that motorways and, and your dual carriageways don't. And service stations ripping off drivers with high fuel prices. If you do have to fill up a motorway service area, put, say, five or ten pounds of fuel in the tank just to get you to the next junction. Kent Online News. First today, a Folkestone woman's calling for the law on assisted dying to change after her husband ended his life at Dignitas. Sandra Barkley travelled to a clinic in Switzerland with 65-year-old Andrew in 2016. Nicola's been chatting to her ahead of the first debate in Parliament on the issue in four years. Andrew, my husband, he had multiple sclerosis for 24 years. Um, We managed to cope with it very well for 22 years, but after that it um, took a rapid downhill turn and Andrew, being the independent man that he was, he'd said to me from day one, if it got very bad he wouldn't hang around and I knew exactly what he meant. And in 2016, at the beginning of the year, he made the decision that he wanted to do that, so He spoke to me and David, my son, and we both agreed with him. And Andrew and I went off in December of 2016 to Dignitas, uh, where he um, ended his life. It was really peaceful. It was his choice, but it was quite distressing that we had to make the the trip to Dignitas, to Switzerland, because we couldn't fly because of his illness. So we had to go, you know, Dover, uh, Calais on the ferry and drive there. And if he'd had the chance to sort of end his life here, we could have had longer together and he could have spent longer with his family and, you know, died in his own home where he should have had the choice to be able to do that. So that must have still been a a very difficult thing for you to for you to go through even though you knew that desperately that that was what he wanted he wanted to end his suffering that must still be incredibly hard it was very difficult it was very hard i've never have to do something as hard as that it's the worst thing i've ever had to do but andrew was able to make the choice which i think we should all have that facility to do he never had any control over the illness but he did have control over saying you know i don't want any more of this but we were lucky enough to be able to afford the money to go there i mean you have to pay dignitas ten thousand euros i think it's gone up since then and also you've got your travel the expense of that and we went there for five days beforehand because andrew being the person that he was we he enjoyed life so we he said, we've never been to Zurich. We will stay in a nice hotel. We'll visit nice restaurants. And, and um, you know, so it's, it is expensive. And not everybody can afford it. What are you hoping is going to come out of the debate today? Because it's not the first time that this debate has been had and there's been some very high-profile cases in the past as well. That's right. What I'm hoping for is 
that this will be the first, hopefully, the first big step to changing the law about dying, assisted dying. Not everybody wants to go down that road, and not everybody has to. If you have the choice, you can cope more easily with your end-of-life, you know, scenario. And I think we should all have a choice. It's policed very, very carefully in Switzerland, as it should be. And I think the same could happen here. And nobody will be coerced into it. They aren't in Switzerland or in other parts of Europe and America. And they wouldn't be here. So I'm hoping tomorrow at least we could take a big step to getting closer to the law being changed. Obviously, there are people who don't agree with this at all. Um, Mm. They have a very opposing view. What would you try and say to them? I would like to say to them, watch a loved one suffer. Not only suffer with pain, but the indignity that some of these diseases bring onto you. I mean, Andrew had... Um, you know, it attacked his bowel and his bladders, so he was had pipes and tubes, and then he could he could cope with it. But it then attacked his sight, so it meant that he wasn't able to do the most, you know, changing of bags and what have you. And I had to help him, and he hated it, and he didn't want to go through it. You, we don't put our animals through this. So why should we have a loved one watch them suffer? He couldn't play with his granddaughters. We've got two little granddaughters. He wanted to be able to play with them. You know, it, you, unless you experience it, you just don't realise all the things that it entails. Every case is so incredibly powerful, isn't it, Sandra? Mm. And as you say, mm. you're you're up there to, to have a listen to this debate and to support the people who are involved. What's, That's right. What's the next step after this happens in the Commons today? Well, th- that I don't know, but I know we will all rally round after the debate and we'll hold a discussion amongst ourselves. And then whatever needs to be done, you know, we will just take that next step. I mean, I don't know where Nick Bowles, the MP, will go or get with this today, but um, I just hope that, you know, that it's just the first stepping stone. Kent Online reports. Elsewhere today, four and a half thousand jobs are at risk across the UK as bookmaker William Hill announces plans to shut 700 high street stores. The betting group warns a large number of redundancies are expected. It's blaming the government's decision to change laws around fixed odds betting terminals, which Kent MP Tracy Crouch campaigned for. Here's Sky's business correspondent Adam Parsons. The maximum stake you can have in one of those machines was £100. From the 1st of April, it went down to £2. And William Hill has said it's seen a very significant fall-off in the revenue in its shops. Closures are due to start by the end of this year. We don't know yet which Kent stores will be affected. A cyclist has died following a crash with a lorry on the A20 near Maidstone. The man in his 40s had been travelling on the Maidstone-bound carriageway in Hollingbourne when it happened at about 8 last night. Crash investigators are keen to speak to witnesses or anyone with 
dashcam footage. It comes as a new interactive map has revealed the most dangerous smaller roads in Kent. Data shows one that runs between Canterbury and Whitstable is among the top 10 persistently high-risk main roads in the country. Earlier I spoke to Brian Lawton from the Road Safety Foundation. One of the um, great things about um, about Kent is that they're, they're ahead of the curve in fact. They're um, already looking at their major roads and um, roads that we've we've uh, identified previously as being high risk. Uh, so so there's already uh, developments on some of Kent's roads as a result of that work. So looking at this list then, um, there's been 10 roads that have been identified as being persistently high risk and one of those is in Kent as well, the A290. Can you tell me a bit about that road? Yeah, it's it's not a road I know I know personally, but but just having a a brief look at it, it looks like quite a, a rural road, but it's actually a really busy rural road, uh, sort of single carriageway, quite narrow in places, bendy, um, and and I think probably has got a fair few uh, pedestrians and cyclists that use the road as well. So it's an interesting mix of different traffic types, which obviously introduces its own challenges. And why do you think, obviously I appreciate you don't know the road yourself, but why is it roads like that one that have made it onto this list of the top 10 that are so dangerous? Uh, so so there'd be a variety of reasons why different roads appear on the list. Um, what's interesting is that all of them are single carriageways. So all of them, if you like, allow for head-on crashes um, in a way that, that motorways and, and your dual carriageways don't. Um, it, you know, you've got traffic going in opposite direction, sometimes at relatively high speed. So, so in some sections of the A290, it's uh, 40 miles an hour. But I think there are probably sections where people go faster than that. And um, yeah, if you get a head-on crash between between vehicles going 50 miles an hour or more, that's that's going to result in 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 some really quite serious injuries. Absolutely. And you mentioned cyclists and pedestrians there. Um, and these this data shows that 62% of the fatal and serious crashes that happened between 2015 and 2017 on that road did involve cyclists and pedestrians. Is that a particular concern? Yeah, in, in fact, it, it, this particular road stands out from the table in terms of having the highest proportion, I think, of, of pedestrian and cyclist um, casualties. So it, it, it's obviously a particular concern on, on this particular road. Um, I, I, I think, am I right in thinking it, it goes past um, a university campus at the, uh, towards the southern end? So I wonder whether there's... Um, you know more pedestrians and cyclists on the that use the road at least some parts of that road than uh, than on some of our other persistently high risk roads. Well, campaigners are calling for more action from the government to improve safety on smaller roads. You can follow a link to the interactive map that shows how safe other roads in the county are in our story at Kent Online. Kent Online News. An Uber driver has been found guilty of running a brothel in Dartford and laundering money. Mario Nicolai operated the business from Downs Avenue between April 2017 and September last year. The full 41-year-old Romanian from London will be sentenced in a couple of months' time. Five people have been taken to hospital following a caravan fire in a Kent village. Emergency crews were called to Chegworth Road in Harrietsham, not far from Maidstone, just after half eleven last night. The casualties were suffering the effects of breathing in smoke and some had burns. The blaze is thought to have started accidentally. Motorway service stations in Kent have been accused of ripping off drivers by charging more for 
with fuel than garages in town centres. Research shows the Maidstone services on the M20 is one of the most expensive in the country, with a litre of diesel costing almost £1.66. According to petrolprices.com, the nearest forecourt in the town charges 30p a litre less. Jeff's been finding out more from Kitty Bates, who's from the comparison website. She can't see the prices coming down anytime soon. Personally, I don't think it will it will ever drop that much, just because of the fact that there's a demand for people to fill up at the motorway service area. Even if people started to boycott them for regular use, they'd still have to use them for emergencies. Um, and they're still a good way to make profit. Also, things like tankers and HGVs or long-distance drivers will more, more, are more likely to use a motorway service area, even if they only pay a fuel card price. Given that, I mean, is there any ad- advice that you could give drivers who, you know, trying to avoid paying some of these higher higher prices? Um, so the main one we say is to plan your journey beforehand. If you know you've got a journey that's going from the south of England to Scotland, um, plan your pit stops in advance um, and make sure you're pulling off at a junction that has a petrol station near it. Uh, often if you are driving that far, most cars can't hold that much um, fuel in the tank, so plan your pit stops along your route and also for sensible waiting times so you know you're going to be driving for two hours and then a stop and then two hours and another stop, for example. Um, also use petrolprices.com. Uh, it's the biggest fuel price comparison site in the UK in terms of the amount of data we get and the number of updates we get. So we've got the most up-to-date system in the UK. Uh, so that's a great thing to use just to, while you're, if you decide you run out en route, um, you can use that. And then also just, if you do have to fill up a motorway service area, put say five or 10 pounds of fuel in the tank just to get you to the next junction. Um, check your maps where the next junction is once you're pulled over and your car is off um, and then drive to that one and fill up the tank fully there. Also, to avoid it using in general, make sure your tank is full enough before you get on the motorway. Don't try and risk it um, and think, oh, well, I should be okay. It's not worth it at all. Um, and it's not good for your car either to try to basically drain the tank. Yeah, I must admit, I'd, I'd end up doing that quite often myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the best thing for your car, so it's always good, especially if you're an urban driver, so you drive a lot in cities. It's good to keep about half a tank around your car, around half a tank. If you do more rural driving or you have to drive longer distances, having a fuel tank is good. But having half a tank on an, in an ur- for an urban driver actually can help your fuel economy a bit. So that's worth bearing in mind. Given the sort of report that you put out and, and, and you've got the top 10 most expensive um, for unleaded and diesel. I mean, are, are, are you guys calling on the government to potentially intervene in some way? At the minute, we, what we just want to do, the, the main purpose of this release was to, um, we want to make Chris Groening aware that we exist, um, as he has called for a fuel price checking app, but we have been around, a fuel price checking service, sorry, has been around since 2005 with us. Uh, so the main purpose of this was to make Chris Groening aware of us um, and also shed some light on some of the prices and what we know from using our data to show that you, if you drive a bit off the motorway, you could be saving um, up to 37p a litre um, and basically proving 
the worth of using a service like ours. Kent Online reports. A company offering families the chance to meet a unicorn has scrapped all its remaining events, including one in Kent. Unicorn Dreams sold tickets for an experience in Maidstone next month, as well as in other parts of the country. The firm's faced criticism after cancelling previous events at the last minute. Bosses say they'll refund everyone who bought tickets. Council bosses in Thanet are thinking of selling Dreamland. Margate Amusement Park, which celebrated its 99th birthday yesterday, has been owned by the authority since 2013. Millions of pounds has been put into regenerating and reopening it, but they're now considering selling the freehold to the company that currently runs the park to secure its long-term future. Now, a Banksy Brexit mural in Dover has been valued at £1 million by an expert collector. The huge piece features an EU flag with one of the stars being chiselled away. It appears on a derelict building at the corner of York Street and Talwall Street in May 2017. David Parker values artwork for Canterbury Auction Galleries. Banksy is renowned, along with other sorts of conceptual artists, for delivering a bit of a poison chalice. Uh, Its size is also very much against it. Um, It's a big commitment. Somebody that wants to take on a piece of art this size uh, is really taking on a huge commitment for its restoration and preservation. And in this case, that includes the building itself. In order to preserve the art, you must preserve the building. Or did Banksy actually think that this art should be destroyed along with the building? And is is that emblematic to that with the star being chiselled away, which actually intimates the the crumbling and downfall of the EU? Was Banksy intending that his piece of art crumbled and fell along with the EU, never to be seen again? So other works of art by Banksy, if you can hang it in the front room or hang it in the dining room, have a significant value indeed. Uh, they tend to quote six-figure sums. A garage recently uh, in, in Wales, they quoted a six-figure sum. This is a little bit bigger, uh, a lot more of a commitment. It needs taking on board by a council or a corporate entity, firstly to stabilise it, secondly to actually ensure that people understand the, the enigmatic meanings behind it. Because is it an insult to our friends across the channel? Or is it actually a bit of a prophecy about the future and how well we're going to get on. So in terms of value, if somebody has got the commitment to, rest, uh, to, to preserve it, it does need a certain amount of restoration. It could be a very, very valuable asset to the community. And that's where its value lies. Tourism, the community, and as a piece of history, as a piece of personal art that you can take home, put in the garden, it doesn't exist. That sadly limits its value. You can't export it. You can't take it to America. You can't do very much with it except look at it, love it and preserve it for the, for the community of Kent, Dover in particular, which is why Banksy created it here. So we have to first of all decide, was it a gift to be cherished or was it built in obsolescence to be demolished along with the rest of the building? I don't know that. But as an auctioneer, you ask me a question. What's it worth? I'm going to be cagey and say at the top end of the scale, a six-figure sum, more likely, I think it's probably half of that. Uh, and I think, to be honest with you, the council, if they can't take it on board themselves, would be best off gifting it to a corporate entity that can actually be charged with the preservation of an important piece of art by one of the more important 
artists of our day. And finally today, it's been confirmed the Archbishop of Canterbury will christen the Duke and Duchess of Sussex's son, Archie. The small private ceremony will take place in a chapel at Windsor Castle on Saturday. We won't find out who Archie's godparents are, but Prince Harry and Meghan will share some photos from the day. That's it for now, but don't forget you can go to kentonline.co.uk for more news throughout the day. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. 